Hey there, busy teachers. I'm Jodie and I'm obsessed with all things teacher related. With over a decade of teaching and leadership experience, I'm here alongside some incredible voices of the teaching profession to share some wisdom and tips with you. As teachers, we love to teach, but we live to learn. And so this is the time for you to sit back, relax and absorb some magical teachings that will help lift and inspire you. This is the Busy Teachers Club podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Busy Teachers Club podcast. This week, can we just have a minute for teaching abroad? I'm joined by a lovely friend of mine today who I've had the absolute pleasure of working closely with. Gina was part of the English department that I um, head up in my school uh, for a couple of years and she's just literally the most efficient, organised and caring teacher going. I was gutted to lose her, but so proud of her for taking the leap to move to Thailand to pursue her passions of travel and teaching. I haven't picked her brains yet about how it's all going, so I'm particularly excited about this episode, about Gina's experiences teaching abroad. So welcome to the show, my love hello thank you for having me on your podcast it's my absolute pleasure it's lovely to hear your voice um I always like to ask this question before we dive in so I know obviously I know all about you but can you just talk us through your journey as a teacher so far and then maybe just kind of say what your passion within the field of education is of course so um I've had a kind of roundabout way into teaching um this is my sixth year this year. So I started off um, teacher training in FE, so in further education, uh, teaching GCSE reset English to students um, and kind of earned my trainee teacher stripes there, so to speak. Um, and then I got a job um, at the wonderful school that you head up um, mm-hmm. at the department um, as an English teacher there. So I worked um, at the school for two years as a secondary English teacher. Um, and then I've also kind of just began as of July last year Um, a position um, at an international school in Thailand Um, and this is my first international post. Um, On top of that I'm also an examiner and a tutor and other kind of things that help me to kind of get a foot in the door um, on the international circuit. Um, My passions are kind of, I would like to say making the the boring bits of English interesting as much as they possibly can be. from GCSE resets and kind of the mechanics of English language being able to kind of you know ensure that children get what they need but also it's fun and, and it's enjoyable and engaging I think is one something that's quite a passion of mine. Yeah absolutely I definitely saw that when you worked um, with me Um, it's also sad for me this because I miss you so much. Um, So let's start at the beginning because I'm so intrigued like when did it go from being a dream to a reality for you? So what was it that tipped you over that threshold of, of making the actual decision to hand your notice in and take that leap? The main kind of push for me was COVID. Um, I have always wanted to teach abroad. It's always something that I wanted to explore, but the kind of the the sort of almost like now or never kind of decision came during COVID. It was January, it was online learning. It was kind of the third round of doing it in the UK. And there's no matter, you know, God knows how many people have had the same experience, but they've all kind of felt the same way. You know, it was really tough during that time period. And I just thought at that point, oh, I'll just see what's out there. And, you know, went on the tears and had a little look and, and yeah, it was there advertised nice and clearly. And I thought, oh, I'll just throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. And uh, a week later, so I, I, I applied for the job and within a week I got a job offer. Wow. So what were the fears when you had taken that leap then? Because I guess for me, you know, is it, I'll just throw my hat in the ring and see, almost kind of not expecting the outcome to be that you're going to pack all your life up and move across the world, you know, like, so 
when you had received that job offer after seven days, like what were the fears that stepped in at that point once you'd taken that leap? Like what were the, the key admin bits that needed doing? Like how stressful was that as a process? Initially, um, there wasn't really any fear initially because it was such an exciting opportunity and it's kind of like, yeah. oh my goodness, this job in Thailand, this is going to be fantastic. And having been to the country before, I kind of had a rough idea of what to expect. I wasn't implying to a country okay. before. So that was, that relieved some of the kind of unfamiliarity with the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of kind of the stress and the fear, it was more about things like, one of the biggest things I think is you're putting your trust in something and someone or some people that you've never met before. Obviously yeah. in the UK, you interview, you visit the school, you meet the staff, you meet the school, uh, kind of, um, you get to know the school itself, you meet um, the pupils themselves. With this experience, you're going into that completely blind. You have an interview room with two people you've never met before, but you don't see the school, you don't meet the pupils. It's all kind of completely hidden almost in a way. Um, okay. I think is kind of the big kind of barrier to overcome because there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of kind of, you've just got to almost trust your, trust your gut with this kind of situation, I think more than anything else. And I guess you, you'd you know if it was for you then because your gut would be kind of screaming, don't do it, if that was the case. Because, yeah, that, that does sound quite um, unnerving because we are so used to having all the answers before we kind of take such a big step because it is it's such a big step. It's interesting that you said that you've been to the country before. I think that's um, I didn't I didn't know that. So I think that that's really interesting because I guess that kind of lessens the um the fears I suppose because you kind of you know know some bits about the country that you might you know enjoy visiting or living there or whatever you know so I guess that that's maybe important to visit before would you say definitely I think so particularly with somewhere a little bit further away I think in Europe it's easy because it's it's so akin to kind of some of the cultural things and some of the kind of traditions and customs are very similar to the UK um whereas somewhere like Thailand it is very different um Mm. and day-to-day teaching um, like for example little things like I have to teach in bare feet because I'm not allowed to wear shoes in my classroom and it's things like that more nuances of the culture I think are important to have an awareness of Um, and in countries for example you might teach a half day on a Friday because of the religious customs of that particular culture so it is really important I think to have visited and have some understanding of where kind of the religious beliefs and how that might impact your kind of day-to-day teaching life. Mm, Interesting interesting so how was settling in then? Because it's a big upheaval, this. You're not just changing jobs, starting a new school. You know, this is a, a complete reshaping of your life, really. Like, were you worried about making friends? Because that's literally what I would be worried about. And um, how was it settling into your new school? How was it settling into life in general? What did you love? What was tough? Like, there's a lot of questions there, but just kind of what was the settling in process like? So after I got my job, uh, my job offer and kind of the contract here and everything, um, one of the things that school did, which was really good, is they put me in contact with an existing English teacher at the school. Um, oh, the wow. school was quite small, so there was me and two of the members of staff. Um, mm-hmm. And I was adding to the team. Nobody was leaving and I was replacing them. I was kind of expanding their team. It meant that I was able to put, be put in contact with someone who's my age, who's female, who works in the department, who's single, all the kind of things that, you know, I would have experienced as a person they'd already been through before. Um, right. So having 
contact was really useful um, to being able to kind of have that person that if I had a concern or a question, even things like what do I pack? Should I be shipping books over or do I just buy things over there? Where can I, you know, can I get these particular items of clothing in Thailand? All those questions that I had, I had someone that I could just ping an email to and be able to kind of just quickly ask. And they were so helpful and so kind of welcoming. Uh, one thing I would say about the kind of international community is everyone's been through it. You're not kind of going through it. You're not the first person to have done this. You're not the first person that year. And you're often yeah. not your own going through that experience every year. Um, so there's always people to talk to, either people already out in the country that you're working in. Um, and there's a really good kind of familial kind of vibe. We had an issue with our house a few weeks ago and within kind of two minutes I put it on a whatsapp group and people were offering to come around and help me and people whose relatives speak Thai were offering to ring up and have conversations for me so there's lots of kind of clubbing together and helping out and that's the same when you first move out here is that everyone is just so lovely and so kind and so welcoming and um, so things like that have been really really good and um, being able to kind of have the school life what you would normally have when you settle into school but then that kind of going beyond the school gate in terms of kind of a a community and that kind of feel so that's kind of been the really the really good things with the situation and having the communication as well with the admin staff so there's a lot of paperwork that goes with obviously moving abroad things like visas and um i had to have my degree certificate notarized and things like that and having a good admin team at the school to be able to again guide me through that process was really helpful um, so that was kind of really useful. Um, another thing that the school did is they put me in contact with another teacher who was moving out here um, and we got on really, really well. So we actually ended up house hunting together and we lived together. So my oh. first year of being able to kind of find my feet, I've actually been living with someone else. So that's been quite nice that you're not on your own in an evening, you know, you've got other people. And, you know, living somewhere like this in Thailand is that every weekend feels like a holiday. There's always something going on or somewhere that you've been able to kind of you know explore or do something new which is quite good so you have kind of the what your working week like it normally looks in the uk more or less and then every weekend it's kind of like where are we going what are we doing we're going to bangkok are we you know going to the coast i'm we... so jealous <laughs> so amazing um so you kind of touched on this a teeny tiny bit but but how was your teaching experience different in relation to your uk experience what are the pros what are the cons from your experience so the school that I'm in is kind of a relatively new international school, so it's really small. So for my career progression and kind of my role as a teacher, it's actually expanded somewhat. So we don't have um, a head of English in my school. Um, so I'm co-running the department with the other two people that I work with, which is okay. an amazing opportunity and kind of a massive step up from obviously kind of positions I've had in the past. Um, so having more autonomy and more control over what I teach. Um, my teaching hours are slightly less here. Um, we have to run one of the kind of policies with most international schools is you have to run an extracurricular activity. Um, so in the last couple of terms, I've run a debate club, which is then morphed into kind of participation next year, uh, starting in August with Model UN. So there's lots of opportunity to kind of work cross curricular kind of with other te departments or other teams as well, which is really good. So that's kind of one of the, the, the bigger differences with the, the, the kind of school itself and my kind of teaching kind of development. And um, that sometimes there are kind of some issues, not issues to say, but kind of some more challenges and more obstacles. So for example, um, the international GCSE curriculum that we teach changes every two years. So at the moment I'm currently juggling kind of rather than your set kind of four texts for GCSE literature, I'm juggling six because I've got to learn two different Shakespeare plays and I've got to learn two different novels. And it's, it's because it changes so quickly, it's really hard to kind of um, really kind of hone in and perfect kind of your, your 
your production of that particular curriculum. So it can be quite fast paced and you have to adapt really, really quickly to certain things. Um, and I think larger schools and larger departments have very different kind of obstacles. Um, because I think sometimes there's an element of, um, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but an element of sometimes this is the easiest option, so we'll go with this, because people aren't necessarily there for so long and the, the turnover is quite high. So I do yeah. think smaller international schools, a starting point is actually a better kind of thing. I, I personally feel it's been best for me. Um, having done work with other international schools in Thailand now, I think that starting small to kind of find your feet and work out what you want is kind of the best way to kind of start with that, I think. Yeah, interesting, really interesting. So, um, yeah, there's so much to take in here, so much to absorb. I'm considering it myself. I'm joking. I can't, unfortunately. But, you know, I, I think it sounds like such a, an incredible experience. Um, so you touched on the fact that the, your teaching day is quite similar in, in time. What, what are your kind of hours that you work so it, again, it depends per school, but my teaching hours, so I have a form still. So I have, um, I, I start at half past eight, form time is 15 minutes um, and we teach seven periods in the day. Um, so each period is 45 minutes. So it's a lot more classes in terms of kind of a lot more um, at like, um, so for example, on a Thursday, I'll teach kind of six periods, but the, the time management is really good. So for example, because I have fewer teaching hours, I have more time to plan, more time to kind of develop ideas. Um, and then we finish at half past three. So it's 8.30 to half past three. So it's the same as the UK in that sense. Um, right. From my experience of talking to other people, it does very much, again, depend on the school that you're at and the, the country that you're in as well sometimes. Okay. Um, so I've just actually spent the weekend with some friends who work in Hong Kong and their working hours are a lot longer than mine. Um, and their teaching hours are a lot kind of more. I mean, my teaching hours here are 19 hours a week, which is an, an incredibly luxurious thing to have. But because there's no head of department here, the, everything else that I have to do is taken up in that time as well. So there's a lot more things outside of the classroom that I have to do as well. Um, but kind of class sizes and things like that. I mean, my largest class is 16 children, which is my year seven class. Oh my word. <laughs> yeah, it's very different to kind of teaching UK, which has its it has its bonuses, but then it also kind of sometimes with, with international children, they're very, very quiet. So if you have a okay. class of talks, it's very hard. I mean, I have a year eight class that I teach on a Friday for two hours and it's very slow going because they don't talk. So you kind of it, it depends on school again, I think, and it just depends on the children. But there's a lot more, there's a lot more atmosphere and a lot more kind of buzz, I would say, from the children themselves sometimes in a UK school, but then in the same way, the children behavior wise in Thai, in particularly in Thailand are obviously gorgeous. They don't, there's not really a behavior policy at my school because there doesn't really need to be one. So it's yeah. kind of swings and roundabouts. It depends on who you are as a teacher, I think, and what you want from it. Yeah, okay, interesting. So imagine I'm thinking about taking the leap. What advice would you give me? Um, the first thing I would say is do your research. So research maybe countries, research kind of what kind of schools are out there, um, research um, kind of the TES is a really good place to kind of look at. And if you're looking particular in Asia, there's um, something called the Federation of British International Schools in Asia, or Fabicia for short, and there's loads of information on there as well. Um, and then there's things like it's kind of the admin side that becomes kind of important when you're moving abroad. So what are the relocation costs the school are going to cover for you? Are they going to pay for your flight? Are they going to give you some money for settling in? Medical um, cover is also really big people don't tend to think about. So just make sure you've got a good medical cover package and things like that included. Um, 
I would always question if the, the school advises you to sort out your own visa. Things like that should be coming from the school themselves as well. So okay. making sure you know, and ask to be put in contact with teachers who are there, you know, even if before you've made a decision, have a conversation with them, see if you can, you know, get some information from them. Um, but at the same time, I would 100% recommend it. <laughs> I think it's what you tend to have is you tend to have contracts where you sign for two years. So I think it's important to know that when you're signing a contract, you're committing for two years and there are kind of consequences if you do not fulfill that two years. So it is a big step. But once you kind of go over or kind of overcome those kind of daunting aspects to it, it's honestly, it's a life changing experience. It's really, really good. <laughs> Oh, amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such an eye-opening episode for me, like, and I'm sure people that are listening as well. Um, thank you for sharing your experiences, and I can't wait to hear more about how you continue to thrive on your journey. Oh, thank you. It's been good talking to you too today. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all for this episode. So until next time, busy teachers, have an amazing week. For more information on today's topic, head over to Instagram at Busy Teachers Club and look out for today's podcast post to join the conversation. I would love to hear your thoughts. The content of this podcast links perfectly with this month's Busy Teachers Club membership. For more support with your professional development, classroom resources and teacher well-being, head over to busyteachersclub.co.uk to learn more about our monthly subscription, which provides an abundance of timely support, resources and inspiration directly to your inbox every month. This will help you to continue to learn and grow as a teacher without having to do all of the research and planning yourself. What a time saver. With key monthly foci, including closing the gap, curriculum, teaching and learning, leadership and more. And with every month, including book recommendations and resources to help you to continue to diversify your curriculum. This really is a goldmine of value for $4.99 a month. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. And just remember, busy teachers, no matter how tough it feels, there is always light because the light is you.